welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids. It is my privilege and my passion to share with young moms tips and tools to make your journey easier. Thanks for joining me today. Today, I'm going to be sharing about a book I read recently. It's called Addiction Proof Parenting, which sounds kind of negative because you don't like to think about your kids growing up to have addictions, but there's some really good biblical strategies and principles in here that I found true in my family. And also some um, traps that you can avoid, which I almost fell into the self-image trap, like, um, you know, building up your kid's self-image. But I'll tell you more about that. But um, anyway, I think you'll find some things helpful. I'm going to pick and choose parts of it that I think would be beneficial to you. So today I'm calling our session, What Does the Bible Teach About Parenting? You know, our goal as parents is to teach our kids to think, speak, and act according to the principles found in God's Word. So therefore, we need to present the grace and the truth of God's Word to our kids so that they will ultimately come to know Jesus Christ intimately and personally. That's what parenting is about. It's not about raising kids to make us look good or raising kids to be successful in this world. So when their will is transformed by the power of Christ, then their thoughts, words, and actions begin to change. And that's the only thing that permanently changes behavior is when someone is transformed by the power of Christ. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, the word has an answer for everything we face. And in society today, there are so many prevalent problems. There's drugs, alcohol, abuse of the internet, pornography. But the primary problem lies in the hearts of parents and children who are unintentionally taught to live for self-centered pleasures and the avoidance of pain and suffering. And I'm going to share with you some success, some several truths that are involved in successful parenting. Um, it's natural, it's our default to be self-centered. And of course, I mean, we want to avoid pain and suffering, but that's not the ultimate goal. Sometimes God uses pain and suffering in our lives to build in us the character of Christ. And we need to teach our kids that. It's not a goal to not have pain and suffering. It's a goal of how to respond to it the way God wants us to, because he teaches us through it. God does not allow anything to happen to us that is not for our good. And we need to communicate that to our kids. Parenting a child must be sacrificial. It costs money, but more importantly, it costs tons of time. Intentional training time. It doesn't just happen. Researchers several years ago claimed that between 70 and 80% of Christian teens were leaving the church by the end of their first year in college. I'm afraid it might be even higher by now. But that's huge. You know, parents need to keep their priorities straight. Yes, it costs a lot of money to raise kids, but kids don't really need extravagant houses or cars or material possessions. More importantly, they need their parents' time, intentional time, training them. Parenting a child is active. It's not passive. And parents, our children don't exist for parents, but parents are for raising children. That's why God has that system in place. That's why he gives children to parents for us to train them 
to serve him, to point them to him. Parents are to be a guide for their children's spiritual development. And that does not just happen. You can't just tell them something. You have to teach them and you have to show them and you have to model for them. Parenting a child is relational. Your child's understanding of God will be impacted by the way you treat him. He's looking to you to provide for his spiritual, physical, social, and intellectual needs. But more, most importantly, we need to point our kids to God as the ultimate provider of everything he or she needs. And we as parents are only the conduit through which God provides for them. Parenting has a price tag on it, one that you must pay now or later. Biblical parenting is when, when your child is young, is so much less costly than the price you would pay financially and emotionally with your child later in life. That's why God gives them to us so that we can train them and raise them and help them deal with what's going on in their heart when they're little. It's when they're in our home that we, as parents, must live sacrificially with our time and our energies to invest in the discipleship of our children. It's a 24-7 job. It does not end. Just as Jesus did with his 12 disciples. He ate with them. He lived with them. He challenged them intellectually. He provided for their physical needs, sometimes the feeding of the 5,000. He cultivated his relationship with them. He instructed them about social relationships and the culture around them. He discipled them so they would grow spiritually to become great men of God after he ascended into heaven. Our call to parenting is such a call to commitment. We are to disciple our kids so that they will serve the Lord even after we're gone. So practically speaking, evaluate. Here's a few action items. Number one, consider slowing down your life by giving up expendable hobbies, projects, or activities in order to carve out daily, and yes, I say daily time, to intentionally teach your child about the things of God. If we get so busy with activities and things, it's so easy to put spiritual things on the back burner. Just say, I'll do that later when I get time, and you never get time. Number two, spend time with your child daily rather than being busy on your phone or your computer. You have limited influence on their life. And it's such a temptation. You know, we didn't have that when we started out raising our kids. There weren't cell phones. So you weren't, life was so different. There wasn't the internet. There was not cell phones. In some ways, it was so much better. You know, those things are useful. Um, they're tools. It's the age we're living in now, and they have their place. But limit them because it's so easy to be on that phone and not be involved with your kids. Number three, establish a daily and a weekly family worship time, daily or weekly, you know, however it works out best for you, but at least weekly. When you pray together, read the Bible, and sing together. It's so special, and it's so important to your kid's spiritual growth. Okay, there's a definite correlation between the gospel and parenting. The gospel must be woven into the very fabric of your parenting, beginning at age zero. You know, when your baby's a newborn, and even when they're still in the womb, you can sing to them, you can read the Bible to them, and they will hear that, and it influences them. I remember one of our sons, when he was a baby, an infant, in his bassinet, 
he would not settle down to go to sleep until we put his Bible CDs on. And he would hear that, and he would just snuggle down and go to sleep. Um, right now, I have a three-and-a-half-month-old grandson, and he loves books. I'll go over there to take care of him, and I'll read him books. And he's so engaged and looking at those. You know, we tend to think we can put that off until they're older. But from the time they're born, we need to be influencing them with these things, reading the Bible to them. Your kids' default nature is to please themselves, just like ours is, rather than pleasing God. That's where a parent's instruction comes in. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Both you and your kids have a default nature, sin. So it shouldn't be a surprise when conflicts arise. They're going to. So early on, we need to focus on teaching our kids the practice of repentance and forgiveness. They're so crucial to understand. They're the stuff life is made of. They're, your kids are going to have to practice them every day, repenting of sin and forgiving others who are going to wrong us. It's going to happen. And we need to tell our kids not to be surprised by this, but lead them and guide them in how to deal with it. We need to help our kids see the sin in their own hearts and their need of a savior, as well as the need to forgive others for the wrongs that are a part of life. It is a part of life. Here's a concrete example that Mark Shaw gives in this book. A child, your child age four, whacks his sibling age two over the head with a toy because the younger sibling was trying to grab the toy away from him. How should you handle it? The toy is not the problem. The answer is not pacifying each child to make them happy. Well, let me get you another toy and, you know, try to make peace. Well, he suggests this. While holding the child, the crying child in your arms, address the older child like this. I know your sister was selfish by trying to take your toy, but you were acting sinfully to hit her. When your sister calms down, you need to make this right by repenting and asking her forgiveness. Now, obviously, you need to teach them what repenting is and what forgiveness is. This needs to be a part of your daily training. So he suggests leading your child in this prayer. Lord, will you please forgive my sinful thoughts and actions toward my little sister? Please help me to be less selfish and more loving in the future. Then when baby sister settles down, deal with her something like this. If you want to play with a toy someone else is playing with, do not try to take it from them. Instead, ask the person holding the toy if you may play with it. Or ask mommy or daddy to help you. If the other person says no, then you must wait your turn. Both children need to realize they had responsibility in the conflict. Both had sinned. I remember Rick and I leaving the kids, um, leaving my oldest child in charge, who was perfectly capable of watching the kids and coming home. We, if somebody did wrong, disobeyed, we had them write down the person and the offense. And we came home and we had to dish out a bunch of correction because a lot of people had gotten involved in the conflict and done the wrong thing. You know what? Children were not given for our convenience. We figured this out pretty early on. Obviously, you've got to stop whatever it was you were doing to deal with that situation. Kids don't wait until you're ready, until you've got time set aside to deal with situations like that. They happen all the time. 
But you know, the heart is always at the root of the problem. We need to help our kids deal with what's going on in their heart. And it's wise to ask good questions. What were you thinking when you hit your sister? That helps them to see what they were thinking. And then you can guide them as, into what they should have been thinking. Romans 12.21 tells us, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Our kids need to know there's never an excuse to sin. We need to learn to overcome evil with good when someone's sinning against us. In other words, when your sister's sinning against you, you need to overcome her sin with good. It's sinful and it's wrong to take a toy away from someone, but it's also sinful and wrong to hit someone with the toy. And you wonder, you know, are the kids going to understand this? This is way above their heads. Remember, even if they're too young to understand it all, they're learning by watching us and seeing how we use scripture to handle problems that arise. We need to teach our kids above all to, to use scripture to handle their conflicts. Above everything else, we are here to please God. And that's the bottom line. We need to teach our kids to please God. Was what you did pleasing to God? What should you have done instead? What could you have done instead? There might be a couple options. Help them to see how they could have handled that in a proper way instead of a sinful way. Hey guys, if you have ever wanted to share a message with others and thought about doing a podcast, I wanted to just recommend Buzzsprout to you. That's who we use. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. It's super easy. Um, your show can be online and listed in all the major podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, within minutes of finishing your recording. It's worked great for us. Teach your child applicable verses, knowing that problems are bound to arise. This is what we did with Bible studies for our kids. We created Bible studies for our own children so they could deal with the sin in their hearts. So I want to show you a few things. Um, I'm going to give you a free handout. There's 45 character qualities. I've given this at another pro, um, podcast, so you might have it. But if not, access, make use of it yourself. There's 45 basic character qualities everyone needs to know with simple kid-friendly definitions. For instance, obedience is doing what's expected of me, cheerfully, immediately, and thoroughly. And then we give a Bible verse, Colossians 3.20. Attentiveness, listening with the ears, eyes, and heart, Proverbs 15.31. Honor, viewing and treating others as a special creation of God, 1 Peter 2.17. Kindness, treating others as you would like to be treated by them, Ephesians 4.32. So there's 45 character qualities that are presented in this fashion for you to put in use with dealing with your kids. You know, they don't know what initiative is. They don't know what honor is until you teach them the definition. So we've tried to put these in a simple way for kids to understand that. We also have these available in flashcard form, which is what we made great use of with our kids. We would give them flashcards. We'd go over them every day until they learn these Bible verses and... I don't know, it just kind of helped to have a flashcard. For instance, here's attentiveness, listening with the ears, eyes, and heart. 
on the back is the verse, the ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. There's a little picture on each one, enthusiasm expressing joy in each job I am given to do. And on the back side, and whatsoever you do, do it hardly as to the Lord and not unto men. So these are meant to help you teach your kids. They're available. I'll give a link in the show notes to it. Also, I told you about our son. Actually, there were several of our kids that had to have their Bible CDs on before they went to sleep at night. We have a lot of different audios on our website. This is the Uncle Rick Complete Audio Bible that is Uncle Rick Reads the Proverbs, Uncle Rick Reads the Psalms, the Book of Matthew, and Bible Stories 1 and 2. And we would pop these in as our kids went to bed at night, and they learned tons of scripture without even trying. It functioned to give our kids a biblical frame of reference. It was an easy thing. Once we got them recorded, Rick recorded them for our kids, and then we made them available years later for other people. But it's one of the best things we did because it built a biblical frame of reference in our kids, and they listened to that every nap time and every bedtime as they were going to sleep. So it's a way to get the word into them and help them to meditate. He gives character comments, which helps them meditate on the word as well. Then we've also got a little game that we called ifs, and we played this with our kids. We gave them situations of temptation that we knew that they were going to encounter. And we would say, if this happened, what would you do? For instance, here's one, dependability. Mom had to take your brother to the dentist. She told you to remember to turn the oven on at four so dinner would be ready on time. You're afraid you'll forget. What should you do? Um, discretion. A boy in church is making up words that rhyme with bad words and using them in place of bad words. What should you do? Discretion. Your friend wants you to lock the door when you're playing in your room. What should you do? Endurance. Mom needs water brought from the neighbor's house. It's hot and sticky inside and the babies are fussy. Mom's expecting another baby. What should you do? These are situations that our kids were placed in, situations of temptation. And we would play the game. We would play the ifs game at family time. And what it did is prepare our kids for situations of temptation that we knew they were bound to encounter. Now, we have this available on our website, but you can make up your own, too. These are, um, they're all coordinated with those 45 character qualities. Um, so they, you might find it helpful to do the, to listen, to get these. And then it might spur you to think of some other situations that your kids might be in. Our kids have attested to the fact that it helped them, be, it prepared them in advance before they were put in a situation of temptation. They knew how to respond. You and your husband can get together and you can decide what's the proper response for this temptation. So it's a way to prepare your kids to deal with temptation according to the word of God. A couple other quick things. This is our book, Crossroads of Character, deals with 12 basic character qualities that every child needs to know. Again, it gives the definition. Patience is waiting with a happy heart. And then it gives a story from everyday life that little kids can relate to. As they get a little bit older, we've got character trails for ages, say, 6 through 9 or 10. And it's got 12 different character qualities. For each one, it's got a story from everyday life, a story from the Bible, 
and a story from history of people that actually demonstrated that quality and put it into action. And it's so much easier to explain to a child what a character quality means when they see it put into practice in the life of others. And if you've got older kids, we've got a couple books, Profiles of Valor and Portraits of Integrity, which this one has those 45 character qualities in the list that I'm giving you. There's a historical story for each one of somebody that demonstrated that quality in a very powerful way. We use Jake DeShazer for forgiveness. I've told his story before. Because he forgave prison guards who tortured him, thousands of Japanese people were saved after World War II. It's just, it's incredible. So anyway, there's some really compelling stories to help your kids understand those character qualities and put them into action. Okay, so I think we're gonna end here for today. And next week, we're gonna pick this up and talk about insights on parenting from the Bible.